brought to you by the Rugby Outlet Mall, equipping you for freedom and connection through rugby. Find out more at RugbyOutletMall.com. Yo, what's really good, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Time A. Bailu, and I am so happy for another week. It's getting kind of hot out here, August, you know, it's another, this will be the first episode of August, second episode of August, something like that, and uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely feeling like August, like, the sad part is, we still don't know if we're going to be able to, I, it doesn't look like we're going to be having fall rugby, it's looking more and more like we're pushing things up to the spring, so it's going to be an incredibly stuffed spring, I mean stuffed Rugby 15s, rugby 7s, football, basketball. Yo, it's going to be the mix. Some other sports. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, look, I am so happy for you guys to be here. This is the podcast where we speak with people about the opportunities they've found, interacted with, or have found engagement through via rugby. And uh, uh, we got a great guest coming on for this week, Derek Lipscomb of Old, uh, Old Blue Rugby. But even more importantly, this guy is the co-founder, uh, one of the co-founders of Roots Rugby. And he has actually even found his own company, The Work, which is a racial literacy resource for anyone wanting to get involved with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and you can actually go to thework.education. And this is, I mean, when you talk about a guy who is the perfect example of wanting to speak uh, speak truths, put truth into action, and being able to essentially just back up what is being said. Uh, this was a really great interview. This was a really great discussion. I don't even want to call it an interview. It was a great discussion that we ended up having. I really appreciated it through. Um, and especially, and it wasn't even planned this way, that we had this on the wake of this Jersey Rugby Union, Empire Union, Crystal Cook situation that's going on in the U.S. rugby world. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know how much. I, actually, you know what? I can talk as much as I want about it. I don't have any legal recourse on it. But essentially what has happened it was an issue of a player that was uh, basically assaulted off the field by their coach, but the, the the context of it is based off the fact of whether or not there was inebriation on the field or not, which led to a whole series of actions from transfers, suspensions. Like, this is something straight out of a movie. And so it's, it's really interesting. It, you know, if you want to be able to take a look at it more, you can actually uh, probably go to uh, CC Cookie on um, – C-C-O-O-K-E-Y on Instagram and get the article. I think it's a truth.serum article. And then kind of just build off from there. Whatever's happening behind the scenes, hey, I mean, it, it's gotten real. It's gotten real. And it just goes to continue the discussion on trying to make sure that we are able to not just discern uh, our, 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 our biases, but also to make sure that we are putting things or doing the right statutes that prevent either that thought process to not be there or to prevent it from even happening to begin with. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how much you guys will know. I don't, I guess I really don't want to talk that much about it because we got a whole podcast about something that works within the field, but you know, just 
Yo, U.S. Rugby, U.S. Rugby World has had a very interesting summer, to say the least. So uh, COVID-2020 has provided many uh, storylines, um, uh, nonetheless. So uh, for the meantime, I hope you guys enjoy this. And also, we still got sponsors, Rugby Outlet Mall, where we're trying to be able to supply you for uh, freedom and network through rugby. Keeping you equipped for it. Guys, go on. Grow Rugby for 20% off. G-R-E-A-U-X. Rugby, two words, for 20% off all uh, Rugby Outlet official gear. That's under HBCU Rugby Classic, where we have the HBCU Rugby Classic shirt, black flag and all, as well as for... Um, all the uh, gift time rugby gear, as well as some of the other gears that we're going to have coming on. And you guys stay tuned because it's going to be real. And that this this coupon code is going to be very helpful. And it's only for those who have taken the time to listen. And also, I want to add that you guys check out the movie uh, Singapore to Tokyo any way we can. Uh, hit it up on uh uh, redearthfilms.vhx.tv a great documentary to take us back to the pure time of 2019 where we weren't thinking about COVID where we could travel and see what rugby was really about going through Southeast Asia on the way to the Rugby World Cup and the journey that these two guys have to take in all full disclosure I'm one of those guys so uh, put that in there, but significantly, I suggest checking it out. $17, seven episodes, 20 minutes per episode. It's well worth the cost, and you'll definitely come out wanting to do more and be able to experience more in rugby if you haven't experienced it outside of the country. And if you have, then it just doubles down on what you have. So, and also, I want to, I keep saying, and also, but, and also, uh, please check out some of these other podcasts that we have. Please leave a review, leave a rating. We really appreciate it on Apple iTunes. We're trying to get the numbers up. It allows people to be able to help find us, and it gives me a better idea of what it is that you guys are looking for and what you guys have found interesting in this. I appreciate everybody who has been listening. And without further ado, also you guys can find the full videos on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash network. Without further ado... The man, the myth, the legend, Derek Lipskin, the work, Old Blue Rugby, and Roots Rugby. Shut it out. Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Grow Rugby. I got another super V, super I, super P person with us, even though that's kind of redundant PP person, it's whatever, <laughs> on us to, with us today. This man is a star with New York's Old Blue Rugby. If you guys have watched him in any of the club rugby tournaments, you've seen him dominating at 12, dominating at 13, you know. Add to that, this man's an educator and... He's already run a website, created a whole information panel called The Work to help you with racial literacy. Man, this man is a renaissance man of all sorts. Derek Lipskin. Lipscomb, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, you got I, I it? Get down sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, man, thanks for coming through, bro. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. It's so great to be here. <laughs> you know, 
So I got to always say, I always like telling people whenever I first saw people. And the first time I actually heard of you was because of Ryan Ginty. Mm. And it was watching, I think, one of his uh, pieces. It was either, it was one of his pieces uh, that he did about Old Blue initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His cover for us for the summer. Exactly, exactly. And so I'm like watching it, and I'm like, yo, I remember seeing this dude on rugby sevens tournaments but i was like i never knew who this was and then i'm like oh it's one of the few times where you see a congregation of black people and brother you stand out from the rest (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i've been there for so long right it's like all right let's go i'm like all right I don't know what I don't know what this guy brings, but this dude seems like he's a he's like a beast, but he seems really nice off the field. So, of course, the the random connection of things of the rugby world slowly bring all these pieces. So there's Ginty, and then obviously KG ends up coming into the play, and yes. then I'm like, wait, so they all all can? I was like, I don't know what's going on with this New York thing, but yo, let's <laughs> see this. And then I learned you're an educator, and I'm like, all right, this dude is an enigma on top of a mystery. <laughs> I, I just like, keep I showing up, you know. Just I'm just somewhere in the shadows, just breathing, you know. And it's um, and it's funny just because like having been with Old Blue now for uh, what are we at year nine, going on year nine now. Nice. Um, I'm at the point where I've got like folks that like like high school kids that came up through play rugby now off the like through high school and finished college and now they're looking at joining old blue and i'm just like i can't i can't be that old I, it couldn't have happened this way <laughs> yo it hits so weird it hits in the weirdest way where you're just like whoa, whoa, whoa wait 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 am i really at that point am i that guy right now exactly exactly and you're just and they're like and they're like yeah you know when i, when I was born in like you know 98 and i'm like i'm gonna stop you stop right, there. right. <laughs> I can't and like all I'm missing now at this point is like you know the 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 grays and the silver hair and like you know at practice now all I gotta do is just like stretch for about 45 to an hour um because you know going through the drills I, I already got that piece down but they're like hey Derek you need you and I'm like you know sudden over there with like huddle over a, a whiskey glass like what for come on let's, <laughs> let's just get it a drinking part so but no it's it's been it's been a great ride so far and you know thankfully I've had you know KG by my side um even playing against them we've we've managed to stay in uh, great contact and um having somebody like him kind of just be with you through the process of becoming right. a rugby player like you know even like us, we would we would train I would uh take the train up to to Iona um he'd pick me up we'd work out and like you know I live in Brooklyn so you know that's an hour and a half ride for me yeah. but like oh, yeah um <laughs> but you know just making it just because I know like you know having having just somebody with you through this process is always useful um and so we we made the time for each other and now getting a chance to kind of see it manifest with like roots for example um is really pretty it's just really great and i already know you know we're gonna be all old and whatnot and, and sentimental but um, <laughs> I can enjoy it for what it is i can enjoy it for what it is right now too dude that's real look i i, I was liking it to the stories that i hear about um comedians black comedians from the 90s and when you talk about them or even comedians in general but particularly with black comedians whenever you you listen to them talk and you talk about them in groups and they're like yo i remember when so and so before deaf deaf comedy jams came in we were doing this and this and this stage and it's always the same people and they all rose up together 
And then right. they're all where they are now. You're just like, yo, these are all popping guys. But they knew each other prior because they watched each other develop over the years. Yeah. But for the audience, it was just like, oh, no, they came overnight. And so with Shut rugby, yeah. it, it feels like it's been the same way, especially in this maybe this last decade era mm-hmm. where I think the what I would like to say the the greatest level of American rugby growth and total, not just from a a field standpoint, but from an industry standpoint altogether, mm-hmm. coming in organ- non-profit organizationally, coming from a for-profit organizationally, and then obviously what we see from a team effort. But because of the rugby world being so small and yet still so large, like we've gotten to see each other be able to just like develop and create and build and be these layering bro- blocks that whenever this thing, I don't like maybe using the word pops off, but whenever it the the mainstream switch flips over, right. there's gonna yeah. end up being this catalog that people are like, oh my god, they came out of nowhere, and it's like, nah, man, this has been like, if you look deep enough, it'll be yeah. <laughs> and I even think about like you know my first years of playing, like um, you know playing against like Shane Donovan for example, and like you know what back when it was old Puget Sound, and right, like, <laughs> and like seeing like it become Seattle, and then having to be the Saracens, and you know moving like Sarevi's team and stuff like, and but like we've gotten a chance to like, we see each other every single time at nationals and like, it's always love, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're really getting a chance to kind of like watch another person grow as you simultaneously do that. Exactly. um, You know, now, now with the Northeast, just given that it's so tight knit um, and, you know, so many of us have now been playing for our respective clubs so long. um, It's, it's kind of, it is, it's got the feeling of one large family. Like, you know, I know I can go up to mystic, and have you know plenty of friendship there and like you know uh i i know they'd be upset if i even found a hotel like you know like, bro stay with me here <laughs> you know you know being able to cut it but you can also go um you know even at this point with some of the guys at night just from playing against them for so yep. long um you know regardless of what the old boys constantly tell us like you know <laughs> and I'm, I'm more than certain i can i could find a blade in my rib cage if you know i, I speak on nike in a positive manner but like you know we've gotten a chance to really like grow together and and um and it's just really it's really awesome to see because you can't really recognize it in the moment you know you know seven eight years ago but you know now that you're kind of over that hump um, and you really are in a space where you know you're you're doing well on and off the field. Um, yep. You can really kind of take away uh, a lot of great moments in the past and have your own like ESPN classic reels going in your head about some of the matchups that you know we've had over the years. Dude, I, that's that is it exactly. I kind of I liked what you you touched on. I kind of wanted to transition into this, especially as your start within rugby because. You know, everybody's obviously within the American lexicon. We all have a very unique, but also there's a, sh- a slight bit of a shared experience when it comes to how we got into rugby. For yeah. you, you know, what what intro? What was your entrance in to rugby initially? Yeah. Um, so when um, so I got into I when I got into Columbia um, back in 2007, um, I was already I was slated to be to play football and, and kind of go about it that way. And I, I, for anybody that's listening, like if anybody knows the Ivy league football schedule, it's very sparse. You play 10 games, you don't have any playoffs. There are no bowl games. You're largely there to get an education and that's it. And so um, you have 10 games. And then, you know, with the spring, I'm not sure how they do it now, but back when I was, I was playing, you know, the, the spring, spring practices were largely like, you know, morning workouts. And then, 
I think they give you somewhere between 12 and 15 practices between, um, you know, January and May. And so, and then you'd have the spring game at the end of all of it. And, um, you know, if you're trying to keep in shape, it, it was just really difficult to kind of go all the way up to Bakerfield when the main campus is on 116th and you've got to travel up to 218th on the, the subway on your own time oh, wow. um, to find time to train and stuff like that. And so now they've got like shuttles, but like back when I was there, um, if you really wanted to get after it, like you had to find the time and the, and the space to do it. And so um, with rugby, it was just more continuous and like, you know, the, the, the story between like me and football and transitioning to rugby was that, um, you know, for the most part, I would go to practice. I would do everything I needed to do, but in terms of playing time, it was, again, it was just sparse. And so, you right. know, I spoke with the coaches, I talked about what I needed to do. Um, you know, and I wanted to come in as a, as a safety, but at 220 pounds, I was too heavy for an Ivy league safety. So especially I for 2007 at the time, whenever it yeah, was, and, would, right. And like safety you, trying to attempt like that 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 big safety you essentially were what five years too early for that yeah. kind of big safety style yeah. yeah yeah and like you know my my like my the folks I looked up to you know Ed Reed Brian Dawkins like you know Taylor Mays and Sean Taylor like you know those dudes are like two twenty five but they're right. in the NFL but like you know those are people that I'm like I'm aspiring to be I got to hit these numbers I got to be able to lift this much and um, you know not understanding that within the context of the Ivy League, like 185 pounds is essentially what you want your safety to be at right. that level. And so I'm coming in from their perspective, 40 pounds overweight. And so, you know, once you move into linebacker, you've got to learn a slightly different scheme and um, things like that. And, you know, I did it and um, they transitioned me around a bit, but I wasn't really feeling like I found my footing enough. And so um I I was on the floor with uh, – I was friends with a few guys that were already rugby players. And so they had been to the games, and um, Columbia is not known for its winning. And so um, <laughs> they were they were trying to console me and just, like, you know, just come out and, like, just come to a few practices and just see where you get. And there's a lot of – there's a lot of, like, overlap in terms of what you need to know about, like, rugby – as it relates to football. And so it, it didn't really feel like, you know, I was making a huge leap there. And so um, the cool thing about that was that it was year round. And so, you know, they, they had the practices, they had like trainings and things like that. And um, you have to take the, the subway to get up to the, the practice field, but like your games were all, all throughout the year. And so right. for me, at least like that feeling of being able to like work towards something was great. Um, and so the, I still remember the day that like, you know, I decided cause I, you can't do two, two sports at an Ivy league school. You're asking for your GPA to suffer. And so. I was, okay. Um, I, I was going to say, is it, is it because they say you can't, or is it just the workload? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like if in, you know, in your standard, your standard day for football, um, usually you're done around six, six thirty, right. And like, you've had dinner and like, you know, you've already watched tape and stuff like that and practice for, for rugby would pick up at like 7.30. And so for me, while I was doing both, I would just stay at the field and just wait for the rugby guys to show up and continue on. And so, right. um, you know, as I kind of got more, like found my footing there, I realized that like, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot there in terms of like going where you're needed. 
And so for, for me at least, it didn't really feel like Columbia football needed somebody like myself, whereas like Columbia rugby was in a space where it's like we need somebody that's really going to be able to help us kind of grow this program and um, work with us even off the field. And so, um, you know, our first tournament, funny enough, was in Trinidad. Um, oh, nice. And that was really like the first time I'd been out of the country. And so, nice. um, you know, I'd get my passport and um, getting a chance to play over there. And, you know, Hayden James, um, you know, was the coach at the time and um, getting a chance to, to know him and really develop a relationship with him. And um, just really like, I guess, like kind of getting the base in terms of learning how to like interact with people that like you can learn from. And like how, like for me at least, growing up, like you don't really get a lot of experience, like like being able to attach yourself to people that can really teach you and want to invest time. Because um, typically, to watch it's, you grow. it's it's something that you have to do from an internal. It's you're willing yourself yeah. to get to that, find that spot, but not typically. There's not that person to be able to attach you, and you're like, okay, I can confirm and you know. Exactly. And so like, you know, and I like, you know, BJ Weber was also there and, and Sean too. And, you know, those, those are guys that like in, in Ray Cornbill, who's, you know, a, a famous Eagle himself and um, being able to be surrounded by that much expertise at one point, like I didn't recognize it at the time, but like those, those guys are already trying to make sure that I had everything I need. I needed to like put myself in a leadership position. And so by the time our senior year rolled around, um, they're like, you know, we were ranked, um, you know, we're getting looked at by, I think it was called rugby today at mm-hmm. the time, like that. Old right. Right. Magazine the former, came, yeah. What was now, now rugby magazine, which is now nothing. I don't, <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, you know, but like, you know, at the time, like if you got recognized by them, like, you know, that was right. top notch for, for program. And, you know, here's Columbia is still managing to, to find its way. Like, you know, and of course, Dartmouth is, is wiping the floor with all of us, but you know, they've got like a legitimate program and we're aspiring to something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being able to just kind of get recognized to get close to it was just an accomplishment for us. And so, um, but all, all while that's happening, Old Blue is still, like, looking at who they can have come from Columbia to join the team. And so um, that's how I got a chance to kind of immediately be meshed in with some of those guys and um, get a chance to kind of get involved um, early on with, with Old Blue. And so as soon as the seven stuff picked up, that was largely something I had taken to um, just because I was in shape for it. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but they were also in the space and that's where, you know, Steve Lewis comes into to focus there and right. um, really helping me kind of develop those skills further, helping me to aspire to, to reach the Eagles and stuff like that and um, get involved in, in that process. And so, and, you know, looking looking back again like you get a chance to kind of understand that it's got to be you know a team effort in terms of your own growth like there's some stuff that you can do and uh for yourself but you know at the very least like there has to be at least you know two or three people that you can kind of go to in earnest and be like what do I need to work on um to get better on and off the field and um at that point you know I was a captain for Columbia and so making the transition into to club rugby where you now have to start take a lot more orders yeah yeah and you're starting from from more or less square one um you you do have to learn how to like rehumble yourself and recognize that this is a big open space and club rugby is nothing like college right. um 
in kind of making that transition. And so, um, but even still, like being in that space was very different because it, it meant that I was ascribing to a different culture now and having to kind of manifest there. And so because there aren't a, a lot of black players um, at the time when I joined, um, you know, you're kind of just kind of feeling your way out what it means to be black on this team. And um, for the most part, like, you know, because New York City's pretty progressive, I felt like the players themselves were also pretty progressive. Too. The same culture. Exactly. And so funny enough, our first sevens um, team had KG on it. And so that's where he and I got a chance to kind of meet each other. And then he went and left us. So (laughs) KG, if you're listening to this, um, this is all of your fault. Um, He left us and went to Nyack um, to try and start a life there. And I I know it's really just because it was closer um, in proximity to him. (laughs) No excuses. Exactly. Kyle, no excuses. We we had so many years that could have been great together, but no, it's fine. Um, but then, like, you know, that's where Mike Sinclair comes in because, like, we right. play Long Island, and I got a chance to to play him when uh, – even, even, like, when he was playing for Stony Brook and stuff. And um, you start to see, like, in my own mind, like, all the like pieces starting to come together and, they, <laughs> and I'm just like, I know I'm not leaving. So one way or another, we got to get you guys back here. Um, do what we so got to do. Like LeBron a little bit. Right. <laughs> I'm like whispering to him after the games, like, you know, this black and blue really would look great on you. It's looking mighty familiar. Like that's some championship <laughs> colors right there. Right. What you like some championship <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I felt like Prince in the Dave Chappelle skit where I've got the aura behind me and I'm I'm just like motioning them to come um come closer. So um and in due time, you know, funny enough, like I felt like once they came, um, you know, little by little we would get like other guys. So like, you know, we get Phil eventually and um we get we get Gavin who was playing up in Boston and um Ooh. you know and, and Connor Wallace and, and Steady <laughs> recruiting. Steady recruiting. <laughs> so before you know it, you look around and you've got like Ginty with a camera and he's just like, So how'd you get here? And I'm just looking around like if I could really tell you I would, but right now I'd <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, it, I think, you, you know, it's really about how well you can kind of give off the vibe that like, you know, we want to be able to grow. We want to see you do well. We're going to band together. Even if you're on the diff, on a different team, I want right. to see you be able um, to succeed. And, you know, I'm going to be right behind you applauding you, um, you know, and on the field, you know, we're going to, we're going to go as hard as we need to, because that's going to be the best gauge of our abilities. Of course. Um, but we'll get a chance to, to share that, um, share that experience afterwards too. So. Dude, um, that's real. That's real. Yeah. Dude, there's something I, I, I keep noticing, even in, 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 as you were talking, telling the story is the, the propensity towards one high achievement, obviously being Ivy league is a very big marker on that, but I, I take it that that even came before. And then the other propensity is towards leadership, the quickness of being able to be a captain for that Columbia team, especially coming off of the football team and coming off of uh, an early start for yeah. you prior to your college years, like is was, was the environment that you had one that allowed you to develop high achievement or is it something that you've always innately had or like what, what was the, the basis that comes from um, that? I think like, you know, having, having, you know, my parents and um, you know, my, my, my mom um, like, so I grew up in, in Cincinnati and, and you know, my mom like did a great job of just trying to expose us um, in terms of she wanted to be 
authoritarian, uh, like authoritative, not authoritarian. Right. So like, give me the space. Give you to, like, intention. Exactly. Give you with intention, but allow you to be able to figure it out from there. Exactly. And, and, you know, she, she was just like, you know, whatever it is you, at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta do what makes you happy. And, um, my father, um, who lived in Virginia beach, like he was more towards the like technical side of this. So let's think of the logistics that are kind of going through your thought processes and think about like, you know, who's it being, who's being affected by your decision-making and, um, really thinking about, you know, more unit-based, um, type learning. And, and it's like, I think his military background kind of gives him that perspective mm -hmm. a lot of times and being able to analyze it that way. And when you mesh the two of them, they're both outspoken, but in different ways. Right. Uh, and so for me, at least kind of finding my footing there with them, um, meant that, you know, we had to have some really honest conversations about what I needed to do to kind of like, in this case, like become a great football player. And mm -hmm. like, you know, I had, I had my sister as well, who was incredibly smart and, and gifted. And like, you could always get, you know, a brutally honest answer from her. Um, if you felt like the parents weren't going to give it to you. Right. And so, <laughs> but like, you know, with that being said, both my parents were also pretty honest. And so they're coming into the space where it's just like, if you truly want to be able to do as great as you can, then you have to be able to take the criticism that comes with it. Right. Um, and you know, they, they put me in a space where it's just like, if you're trying to strive to be the best on say your football team, your high school football team, that means that you're going to have to have some honest conversations about where you are on the field. If you don't feel like you're being represented properly or really kind of going after um, colleges that you want to, that you want to be able to approach um, for a D one like football scholarship. And so funny mm -hmm. enough, that led to me applying to North Carolina, Florida state, uh, University of Georgia um, and nice. getting a chance to talk to those teams and like being open and honest, like, Hey, I'm coming out of North college Hill in Cincinnati. Um, you know, if y'all need a tape or anything, you know, like being vulnerable, but also understanding that the onus is on me to be able to show you that I, I that I want to be able to do this. Wait, so was it you that actually reached out to them or did it, was it your coaches? Did they scout you? Like how, what was that? Because it was, even in that it honest was, conversation, there's, there's a lot that you're, you're developing out from that. Yeah. And like, you know, I think North College Hill wasn't, wasn't a huge school. It, mm -hmm. It's not a big football program there. Like, but at the same time, um, you know, we were really great. Like we were doing really great things there and we had some really great coaches. Um, and, you know, I even point out like, you know, coach Nathaniel Snow, for example, who was, he, he, he like was every sport I played, he was involved somehow. So like he and I got a chance to kind of develop that relationship. Um, and like, you know, he was another person that would take off time, like, on his own, on his own time on weekends and bring us to like football camps and like drive us all over wild blue yonder to kind of get us exposure. Um, and it would just be like a crew of like four or five of us. And like that four or five of us really did want to be able to play D one. Um, and so he, he would just be like, all right, like hop in the truck. Like, you know, we're going to go out to like Kent state this weekend, or we're going to go up to Akron or, you know, we're going to go to Miami um, where he played football and, um, 
you know, we're just going to kind of bang it out. If you want to do this, right. this is the game. And so him offering his time to be able to kind of help us grow in that space is definitely respected. But he was another person that says you got to put yourself out there. And so right. that meant going up to those scouts and like saying like, hey, I know you're here to, to watch, you know, these players, but just letting you know, like, you know, my GPA is great. Like, you know, I'm doing everything I can, um, you know, outside of the field to kind of get better. And as a result, like, you know, I got scholarships to be able to play for those D1 schools. Um, and every single one I got to, I applied for, I got in. Um, but then that's where I also set my sights on, you know, like, could I get into an Ivy League school? Right. Um, and so I applied out to Harvard, Penn, Yale, and Columbia. And um, Penn and Columbia both gave the best um, gave the best prospects in terms of playing time. But then also, um, because you can't get an athletic scholarship to those schools, it has to be an academic, academic. one. Um, you had to be able to prove yourself um, through writing samples and what have you. I'm not sure what the process is now, but um, basically it meant that, like, you know, they said, if you, if you want to, like, here's, here's the like financial aid package where they included, you know, uh, a few scholarships. And then, you know, you, you just got to apply for the rest of it. And like, I was managed, I managed to like apply for scholarships, get all that stuff covered yeah. and walk into Columbia, not having to worry about debt, um, which really was able to kind of give me on the right foot. Um, and so that, that's with a huge that, leg up even after, after the fact, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, and I think like both my parents are a great testament to just being able to say that, like, you know, this is the fruit that you need to bear that needs to bear at this point. And, you know, all we want you to be able to do is just kind of keep chipping away um, at trying to be the best part of yourself that you can be. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like, you know, having that kind of support and being surrounded by people that want to be able to support you in that manner um, definitely helped me with just finding my own voice. But even more so, it still has to be developed somehow. Right. Um, and so finding, you know, a new set of people that are going to help you develop that voice um, is just paramount to being able to watch, like, my own growth as a person, but then also as a rugby player, too. Right. So there's, there's always been that natural proclivity to be able to even find mentorship as well. Because a lot of right. people, like, you know, I, I know for me it's always been a problem. Like, my parents were great, gave me a lot of my foundation. And so most of my, my, my attachment came off of them. And then mm-hmm. there might be people that helped along the way, but I don't always know if I would always call them mentors because I had a natural inclination to just want to fight my way to do it. Mind you then yeah. flop horribly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the learning process. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it still was like, okay, we're, we're kind of piecemealing it, but there wasn't necessarily always a stable people outside of my own nuclear family. So yes. for you to be able to say that you were able to find people in mentorship, one, shows a level of vulnerability that you were able to, to, to tap into in an early stage. And two, the awareness of wanting to be able to or needing to be able to use people to help your development and your growth from there. Yeah. And I, I would even say like, there's a, there's a certain amount of self-sufficiency there that I think, you know, those folks that want to be able to see you grow, want to see from you too. Like, of course. They, can, have the they can definitely help or at least be able to like, like, you know, give you a few guides here and there. But at the end of the day, it, it really is just you 
that has to be able to kind of see it all the way through. So like, you know, they're not going to be able to go with you to the field every time you work out or, you know, they're not going to be in the weight room with you, you know, as you, as you try and like throw on another plate or something like that, but you've got to be able to kind of have that conversation and go to what like, you know, it's called the dark place, um, you know, and, and being able to, to kind of, kind of handle some of the anxieties that come with that growth. Um, What if I fail? What happens? Like, you know, what are my contingency plans um, that go from that? And, you know, I had to, I had to go there for myself when, um, you know, the Eagles setup didn't really work out for me. Um, And, you know, I was commuting, they would fly me over for the camps. And, you know, I'd I'd try to work out to to get onto one of the travel squads. But, you know, I do think that not being there physically in San Diego does have an effect. I mean, Um, look, it's it's a direct access, right? Their proximity is always going to be an advantage. Right. Right, right, right. And, you know, and as, as that door, again, as we're as I'm thinking about like, what are my next steps? What can I do? Um, That's when the prospect of being able to play overseas showed up. And so like, you know, I could get my master's. um, I could go play for Blackheath because that's where um, the coach. Blackheath is in London. Yep. In London. Um, And so that's where, um, you know, Mike was, was kind of getting involved. Mike Friday was getting involved already with them. And so he would, he'd let me know. Cause again, seeking out, you know, what do I need to do? Yeah. How can I develop further? Um, you know, he was just like, well, what if you like, what if I talk to some folks over at Blackheath and see if we can't work something out? And like, you know, that's the first time I played like professionally, like, yeah. cause they paid me. Um, and you know, I'd use that money to pay for my master's education nice. um, over at university college London. And, um, after a while you, you realize that like, that's a level that I wouldn't be able to experience, um, over, over in America. So I getting a chance to play that was already a step above the where I, I, I would have been. Um, if, if I decided in the to States. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, not to mention, during that time, I really got a chance to really develop my education in terms of really what I wanted to do, what I wanted to see next, and kind of like, kind of plot out what I wanted to, what I wanted my own academic career to look like too. And so finding that balance between sports and and academics, um, you know, was was crucial, even though I was only there for um, only about 10 months. And so still, um, that's, it's, it's a massive, there's so much that's being compiled into that proverbial short period of time right get from that yeah and like meeting some great folks over there too and you know getting a chance to really like um develop myself like as a rugby player know like what I'm really good at know what I've got to get better at um and this is a completely different set of people so they don't know me they don't know anything I've been up to over in the states and you know you're wiping the slate clean and kind of seeing you know kind of just where where can you place yourself and kind of challenging yourself to like really focus on getting better so that when you come back to the States, you are an asset on multiple fronts. Um, and, you know, that was the mission back in 2016 when I came back to make sure that, you know, I was making myself as present as possible. Um, and that meant that like, you know, even just rolling into the um, role, because as soon as I got back, like you, like uh, sevens was starting right back up. Right. Um, and so we rolled right back into it again. And, and, you know, we're, this was like the end of Dominic Waring's like um, 
time as a player and he was moving into being a coach. And um, he was another person that I continually kind of look at as somebody that's like kind of just got it all together and kind yeah. of just moving and can kind of like easily move between, you know, leadership, rugby and administration and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, watching him kind of make the transition into being a coach meant that I needed to transition into being a leader now for Old Blue Sevens um, and like kind of get myself into that space. And, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of weird how like, you know, you, you kind of find yourself in the same shoes that as I was in at Columbia. I was about to say (laughs) it it was was almost resonating the exact same. And I I was actually gonna, gonna say if, even what you were studying from school helped play into that because mm-hmm. as you're doing the balance between football, initially between football and academics in Columbia, before going rugby to academics in Columbia, you're already right. doing a transition and you're already creating notable, um, aw- create, uh, getting notable awareness. But then right. to be able to do this again uh, from an international standpoint, not only is it as a rugby player, not only is it as a student, but now as an international, an expat, if right. you may. You know, you right, now right. have these new perspectives that gets adds in. So before kind of before I touch on the perspectives, what were you studying when you were at Columbia and then subsequently when you were at uh, University of London? Yeah, University College London. University um, and College London. Yeah, yeah. So like at Columbia, like and I didn't do the pre med setup, but um, you know, I did neuroscience and like development. So I was focused on um how people learned, what they learned, why they learned it, and looking at it from a biological standpoint and then right. kind of shifting into um going into teaching how like kids learn and how to become a, a really great educator in that space and like really thinking about the pedagogical side from it and like not just standing up at the front of the class and lecturing, but rather like, what can I do to whether it be, yeah, to really kind of mesh it and really make a, a holistic experience for, for the kids, but then also for, for myself too. And so um, I got to get a chance to relive being a kid again a bit um, as I thought about like, you know, what's nice. the best way to kind of learn, um, you know, this lesson or, you know, you know, can we do a, a read aloud here and then break out into groups and then really get on our hands and knees and kind of act out, you know, some of these lessons too. And so if you can imagine my big grown self um, crawling around with, you know, <laughs> second graders at the time, um, you know, it's a good, it's a good chance to kind of um, relive some of those experiences, but then think about how we can kind of mold it to be a little bit more special for them too. And so wanting to kind of expound upon that, uh, that's what brought me to University College London um, and kind of really diving in um, to like the the psychology behind education. Um, And then at that point, I was already starting to get into some of the racial literacy stuff. I'd already been doing a lot of the research for it. So then thinking about where does the conversation about race diverge from, you know, our standard education um, and why do we kind of want to like stray away from that conversation as it comes to children or as it comes to teachers um, and really thinking about how can we incorporate that conversation into, you know, a classroom space that allows for, you know, honest conversations to happen, but then also like a great deal of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, just trying to mesh all the different spheres that, you know, I've, I've been in into one space, mm-hmm. um, because I do think that that would create a little bit more like uniformity for me. Um, but at, at the same time, like, 
the hat that I'm taking off and putting on becomes the same hat. Right. Um, it's, it's now we're just looking at different sides of the brim as opposed to looking exactly. at different folds of the hats, different. Exactly. Styles of hats. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so really just kind of under like helping, helping, that helping people understand that like these don't have to be separate um they can really be the same and they can be balanced in a way that doesn't feel like it's overwhelming um to one person and it just requires that you know you really are able to i guess more or less be vulnerable um in those spaces for that critical feedback so you can um get to a place where you know that you're you're good on all fronts I was going to, I was thinking like, you know, whenever you, you, you spoke in that, I always think within the rugby field itself in an area where you have to be able to understand exactly the connection because we're to one extent, it's a predictive nature as the other, as it is a reactive nature. So right. like within the rugby space, if you're trying to understand how to explain to a person during practice, Hey, I need you to be here where maybe in another sport, like, even with football, we know that it is, this is the play, this is what the play is supposed to do, and then we will mission react to what is being presented, but this is our baseline, versus within rugby, you're already taking it off from what's already being presented to you, so you need the person to already have a, a kind of stable understanding of who you are and exactly how they're understanding and seeing awareness in the game. Did exactly. that even kind of like when you started working on that within school and especially being able to, to, to learn more exponentially with it, were you able to maybe improve or see a difference in how you were looking at the game and subsequently how you presented it to your teammates? Yes. And like, I think being a teacher really did help with my leadership abilities on the field. And, you know, I I can imagine that teammates could, could definitely, you know, just describe for you what the what the feeling is whenever I come into a space to have to talk and, um, you know, and I and you know modeling vulnerability here. I I I was an absolute asshole when I first became a captain for Columbia because I felt like you know we got to do these things and there's like like no, no excuses. You just have to do it. And you know I'm thinking like you know that's the rough cut nature of like being in a leadership position, but not understanding that like from an emotional perspective, all players do feel every single one of them and all of them are doing everything that they can um, to be able to put themselves in the best position to be able to win. And so when something does not go right, they, they're probably already on themselves more so than you could ever be. But with that being said, you getting into this space does not help them um, if it's not constructive. And I thought about that a lot in terms of like in the classroom, a kid is trying to do everything that can be like to be a great student. And so if they get a math problem wrong, you can't be in the space to like start. Exactly. And so like, you know, you think about like their development really does have to do a lot with like how you talk to them and like right. how, like, you know, if you really want them to love math and, and they might not love it at the moment, you really have to like scaffold it for them in a way that like shows that like, you're not going to get everything right, but that's the beauty of learning itself. And like how like rugby is the same way, like right. you're not going to get everything right, but like 
in so many ways, you guys have already proven that you can do everything necessary to be able to win a game. Right. And so all we need to do is just find the formula to be able to kind of do it consistently. And so, right. yeah. And, and just like with students in the classroom, like once you find that formula and you can do it consistently, then you get more comfortable with it. And then you get into a space where I might ask you, teach that other person to be able to do that. So now I've pushed you into a leadership role after just, you know, just last week, you were just trying to figure out what to do for fractions but now you're talking about it to another student and having to lead it there and so rugby works the same way now that you can pass off the left or now that you can like like run this play take these kids or take this group of guys over here and run this same setup like as you see it because my perspective might not be the best one for right. them but you might have a different viewpoint um, in that space and so before you know it you've got folks now you've got a cohort of leaders that are able to kind of give constructive feedback they trust one another to be able to be critical with each other and now all of a sudden you have a culture that largely kind of stems from wanting to like see everybody grow that's not to say it's not competitive still but it is in a space where like everybody wants to be able to see the other person get better. Well, I would even say it seems like it would actually even be more so competitive because now, but it's just not from a negative standpoint. It's not competitive in right. the nature of I need to diminish or this person needs to be crushed as opposed to, right. okay, <laughs> I want to see how this person goes at the highest and go from there and see how further I can go. And it really becomes exactly. a true definition of iron sharpening iron on it. Yes. And, and I think like, you know, we developed that relationship both like, interpersonally within old blue but then intrapersonally with between the teams that we would always play with like like on that seventh circuit for example so we right. knew for example like in that semifinal round we were going to see somebody like nyack we we're going to see mystic whatever iteration of connecticut um you know that like that we had because they changed their name all the time but we knew that that would be the other team that right. would show up and over time we recognized that like in order to be able to play at the highest level i.e go to nationals and actually do something there not be at the bottom of the bucket there that means that we really have to go after it every single weekend. And like the Northeast seven schedule at the, at the, at its, at its peak was seven tournaments or six tournaments and the seventh being nationals. And like, it is an absolute grind to play five to six games every Saturday throughout the summer and like have to still figure and like, you know, in the, at the, at its peak, you couldn't tell who was actually going off to nationals until like more or less that final week. Right. And so it got down to like, eventually it would be like, all right, these two teams. Um, and I'm going to pat ourselves on the back. Old blue has been first every year, nice. but it's not as if, you know, it has been like a clean sweep. You know, we had that one year where we went undefeated, but like, it was but not that, an easy grind. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of knocked down drag outs every single, like, you know, you, we always laugh at each other because we see on the seventh circuit, the HSBC seventh circuit, when a player gets a break, you know, they get to trot in to the, to the, uh, to the try line. Like, you know, the fans that, are cheering and whatever they can that wave last to everybody. 20 meters is usually yeah. just empty. You know, they like, broken right. away. And, you know, and, and the fact is, is that it just does not exist for Northeast <laughs> sevens, right? You, you, you make a break. You better believe somebody is huffing and puffing the entire way to make sure that like you run in the, the, the whole way. And so that, that really meant that you're going to finish every play that right. you set up. 
And so um, that mentality going to seven, like internationals really helped Old Blue in terms of understanding that like, look, man, like nobody's going to give you any easy buckets here. And like, you got to understand that like, this is the, this has got to be the way it is just because like, you're not going to gain respect from anybody. And even though Old Blue might be able to carry a certain amount of respect on the field, it means nothing. And so you have to, start from square one every single time um, that you kick off. And I think really embedding that into the players really just kind of helped understand that, like, we have to be in it together in order for this to work. And so, like, I think kind of growing from that, um, given that, you know, this would be technically the first year Old Blue didn't go to nationals because we don't have sevens, um, (laughs) gave us a time to really, like, or at least gave me a time to really reflect on, like, you know, what makes – what makes a team really great. And I do think that like leadership is one piece, but trust has to be like, they have to be able to trust that you are going to be able to say and do what you are going to do. Um, And like developing that trust takes time and you cannot yell at folks until, you know, they get it, but you really do have to like work on those like personal relationships um, for them to be able to, 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 understand where you're coming from and i feel Um, like that that always ends up being the thing like you know we 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 always know that certain actions have their purpose in place but i think over time whenever people start to see one single action they start to mimic on that because that's what Mm -hmm. is the belief as opposed to it being a multiple layered concept so Mm -hmm. if it's like hey i'm yelling at somebody the yelling should not be the base of it the yelling is to be able to get up a level not to berate and diminish Whereas right. the interpersonal relationship allows at least to trust they occur to know that there is a it's coming from a good place. It's right. not coming from a place of of dis, of spite to say the right. least. So right. you know, so it, it does create a comp, a complex communication skill, and mm-hmm. I think even for that, you 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 start to look at that within coaches. For you, have you looked at it? Obviously, you look at it within child development as a teacher. But as, as coaches, as, as mentors, I guess, but particularly as coaches, do you start to see that there has, maybe not has been, but there is kind of an example of these more adjusted complex usage where it's like nobody's too passive on one way, but they're not yeah. so super aggressive. And if they are, they're kind of finding themselves in the middle or within the development that way. Yeah, and I think like, you know, some of the, some of the best coaching I've received has been one where like there you 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 don't focus on necessarily the volume of the message but rather the message itself right Right. and so like there's been time like you know and i'll take hayden for example somebody that's been in my rugby career my entire life like the entire time i've played rugby he's been involved there and like you know there have been times where he's raised his voice at me um but it's coming from a place that like like you've got to be able to see what I see right now. And like, while I feel like, you know, like what you need to do, I'm actually giving you a different viewpoint here that might be able to push you into a different space. Mm -hmm. And like understanding that like being a leader actually means that you're listening a lot more than you're speaking. Um, And if you're taking that space, even from a coaching standpoint where you constantly need to lecture every single time that something comes up, you're going to find yourself exhausted, but even more so like they're not going to be self-sufficient. Right. It's just dependency on what it is that you're saying and looking for that voice to constantly confirm it versus just being able to create that, that own pattern itself. 
for yourself. Right. And so like, if you can't get to a point where you can be trusted to make a decision on the field um, and the coach can't put you in that position to be able to make that decision, then by all means, the coach isn't doing enough there to be able to, to really get you in a space to grow. And so if you have 15 players that are all hoping to like do exactly as the coach says with no interplay there with no ability to finesse or no ability to kind of put their own like emotion into their playing style then it'll come off as prescribed and then like teams immediately can see that like you know there's going to be no variation no variation there and so like as from a teaching standpoint again like in the classroom, I can't expect that every kid is going to do things the exact same way that I taught it. And like now as a reading specialist, for example, like I work with kids um, who are still developing their reading skills and still trying to, to get the comprehension spaces down and really trying to like, you know, I'm working with little kids. So mm-hmm. a lot of them are, are wanting to get into reading Harry Potter and reading like, you know, the huge chapter books, but they're just not there yet. And so you see, just like with rugby, they're aspiring to be Eagles or they're aspiring to be really excellent readers, but we have to do some of the basic stuff first. And we have to do that a lot just so that you know that that's going to become something that's innate for you, that it doesn't take any thought process. It is just quite literally, I pick up a book or I pick up a ball. This is what I need to do. This is how I need to kind of go over these skills with myself. And then, you know, from a, from a coaching or teaching standpoint, now I'm going to push you a little bit further each time. And so it might feel uncomfortable at first because you're learning something new or you're learning how to do something that you've never done before, but eventually you'll be open to just kind of knowing new things, knowing new genres of books, for example, or knowing different playing styles or knowing different players um, to where all of a sudden now, like you be, just become more versatile. Um, and that versatility really does translate itself in so many different spaces. And like, even I think for myself, how I can play flanker or I'll play wing or I'll play center. Um, and there'll be games where, you know, I, I have a laugh that like, like, I'll be at wing, for example, and then a player will go down or there'll be a substitution needing to be made. And I'm like, yo, Derek, we need you a lock. And like, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have any tape for my ears as small as they may be, but like, let's do it. Like, you know, let's, and, you know, thinking about how like a team can trust you right. to play a very pivotal position like that. Um, but it also like, un- like knowing that like, you know, that's a skill that, you know, I do need to be able to cherish as much as I might hate having to stuff my head between two props asses um, or, you know, the, the hooker in the prop um, having to like stuff my head there and then just be like, like essentially compressed um, when all like just no more than five minutes ago, I was on the wing and, you know, when the ball came, I could just finish the play. Exactly. Um, but now, you know, I'm down and dirty. Um, but having, having, that ability to just kind of kind of waltz between those two and be trusted Mm -hmm. to do that um, speaks to the coaching as well. And like, say like, you know, like, you know, we can, we can let Derek know that these are some of the things that we need you to do. Um, And like knowing that like from a team player perspective and as a leader um, you got to be able to just say like, all right, I'm going to do it as as best I can, but I'm going to need some help to kind of know, um, you know, how to be, how to be excellent at these positions. Um, And so, and, you know, I think the more that players can kind of see that the more likely it'll be that like players will raise their hand and say like, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not entirely comfortable playing hooker, for example. But, you know, if I can develop my throwing skills, then, you know, if you guys need another hooker, even though I'm playing center, for example, I can go over and play. Right. And so um, getting to a space where, like, rugby can be more holistic in that respect um, and get some really great players out of it, too. No, I think that makes perfect sense. And it, it kind of leads me into, like, where you guys started with, with Roots Rugby. Uh, mm. And kind of, obviously, there's, there's a f- several things that you, uh, KG Kyle Granby, Tiana Granby, and uh, Kamani Davis were able to do whenever you guys were putting this together. But, right, right. you know, how was uh, kind of as you go into to how that all started, was this thought process, this – theory now creating execution that you you're seeing in the classroom a little bit you're seeing obviously with on the field maybe you're seeing in the classroom more you're seeing on the field a little bit but now you have uh to create a maybe more controlled environment with a much more specific goal in mind was that part of the seeds that helped develop this idea for roots rugby yeah and i i would even say like you know honing in on it, the the racial conversation, again, that I mentioned in the past, wasn't necessarily happening in the rugby sphere. And so what you, what you were witnessing was that a lot of players were kind of finding themselves in the same position over and over and over again. And like, you know, and really leaning on the coaches to kind of push their name through to, you know, the upper echelons and, and being able to be represented. And like, so all of a sudden the power was kind of stripped from, you know, predominantly our black players Mm -hmm. to be able to play higher level rugby because there aren't that many avenues to begin with, but they're also for the avenues that were there, they could be hierarchical. They could be only recognized if you played with this coach or if you played here. And so what we were realizing, and I think we all kind of, I think all of us kind of came to this understanding at the same time is that like, sometimes you can't be at the table yet. Like you have to create your own table and like set that up and really like make sure that it is cultivated in a way that like they're going to witness our table. They're going to witness our castle being built and they're going to eventually like ask questions as to why are you building it? Like, you know, what is the reasoning behind it? And really kind of, pushing that back on them to think about like think about why we would build this think about the reasonings behind why we would have a platform for black players to be able to play in london to be able to hopefully next year kenya bring us back please but to be able to play in nairobi um and like get a chance to like play in amsterdam sevens and like think about like how like the development for myself even going overseas and just having that exposure like if everybody could get that or if if black players could experience that, what that could do for their game. um, And like, understand that like, as it stands right now, there aren't that many avenues for, for players to be able to do that, especially if you're black and you're constantly playing wing, then that means that like in the grand scheme of things, we can only take three or four wings. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Because who who, who can feel it? It's not a, it's not a space that is, is going to be turned over enough to, to be able to fill it. And, (laughs) especially if you're dealing with the forwards and especially the centers, well, just even the, basically any of the other 14 positions, 13, exactly. 14 positions, you, you, there's so much more, so much depth that needs to be taken up in those areas alone. Right. And so like what we recognize is that like, if we give, if we can manage to give power back to the players mm-hmm. in that respect, that actually has a big 
component that's a that's a really big growth component of their of their rugby development and like understanding like finding the voice to talk to your coach about like hey you know you've put me at this position but you know I really think I might be able to be great at this one like you know do you have any tips for me to be able to push myself into that space and really having the coach kind of take a step back and recognizing that like this player wants to try for this thing rather than shut down that conversation what resources do I have that can really develop that um, so that, you know, they're not looking elsewhere to go play the position that they feel they can play. And so, you know, if, you know, for us, for roots, for at least, if we can kind of bring that development into the 4A, like 4A for those players that builds their confidence, but then also like the team that they're playing for becomes better as a result because now like, you know, they actually have somebody that's true to their position. They're confident there and they feel like they have something to add um, to that discussion. And so like, you know, I know that um, the, the conversation again around race as it respects to rugby um, is a very tedious one, but it's something for me, at least I'm no stranger to just mm-hmm. because I've been doing this for quite some time. And so I know like a lifetime Kate, of work. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, right. You know, and so for me, at least it's about being able to help like help coaches, but then also players like, like, understand that this isn't something that you need to do by yourself, but rather like in order to kind of see your team culture grow, um, this is something that, you know, you've got to be able to model that vulnerability just like I would in a classroom um, about what it takes to be able to get like players to the next level and understand that like, we want to be able to work with teams. So we want like coaches to be able to reach out and say like, Hey, this player needs a little bit more development in this, this, uh, this position but like as it stands right now like he probably wouldn't get any he or she wouldn't get any playing time with the setup but if he plays with you guys or he or she plays with you guys if you guys go over to this tournament for example or if you guys play at this like exhibition game um that would be a great way for them to get a barometer on their own skills and like you know we can kind of grow with that player and like they can get a chance to kind of know like all right the bar has been set this is what I really need to do to get better um and like you know that there are going to be people that are going to hold you accountable um to make sure that you're doing everything you can to get better um and so you know the the purpose of of Roots is really to be able to not only like have those those black players play at at, you know you know again the, the goal is to play for like MLR, the Eagles and stuff like that and have more representation there. But um, understanding that that process to get there shouldn't be one that is like anxiety inducing or, you know, overtly laborious, but rather like getting them into a space where they want to be able to grow. They're excited to be able to grow um, and really kind of get after it there too and know that like they've got, you know, like just the, the Roots administration at the very least there to be able to to talk to um but now we're starting to see and you and I both could see there from that panel on Wednesday um Mm -hmm. that like we already have some folks that are are leaders in this conversation too and can also be tapped on um to kind of talk about their experiences as well and so making it so that it's it's more of a, a family not necessarily an isolated silo um where it's just like oh you're wearing the wrong colors so you right. obviously can't be with us but rather like nah man like gates open come on in um 
and making sure that they know that they're going to be supported the minute that they, they both coaches and players, the minute that they reach out. No. And, and I think it's one part that even that I've always found that was very, uh, that rugby can be very usable in that factor because of the fact that it does, it, regardless of what people have make it be, it, you do have to have that expendability. And because right. of rugby's natural, uh, natural place where you can, should at least have a, a standard skill across all positions that you, right. you can be able to take advantage of that. Uh, one thing that you even pointed at, which obviously you experienced with going to London, was being able to play overseas. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, being able to, even, even from the media space, let alone from a performance uh, on-field space, the mere factor of being able to go overseas changes the entire dynamic of how you perceive the game and even culture. And then as a result, yeah. it kind of implements. And I think uh, I, I talked to Farrah Douglas a, a few episodes mm-hmm. ago on this, where it's personality impacts pitch play. And right. so it's it, identity impacts, you know, pitch play. And I think that one plays so heavily, like you mentioned, like, yo, you're, you're not just exposing a person to a different dynamic of the game. You're not just exposing a person to a different dynamic of cultures, but you're exposing a person to a wider scope of how the worldview and everything in itself relates to it. Right, right, right. And I even think about, I think about like, you know, for you in the HBCU, like rugby classic and having those players in that space, be able to put themselves in a, in a thought process where, you know, they can see themselves playing overseas. Like exactly. they can already start to think about like, you know, there are ways that I can kind of, cause like for me, at least that w- rugby has been a great way for me to kind of travel around and see the world. Like, you know, at right. this point getting a chance to play in Trinidad, getting a chance to play in like, um, you know, Paris and Milan, getting the chance to play over in London and like, you know, like being able to play, in these spaces like not only kind of opens your worldview in terms of like like how you see rugby as a culture but then also how you see yourself um, right. as a player and like how like when you come back to the states and then you see like <laughs> you see everything that's happening like current events wise like how like rugby has kind of helped shape your worldview right. and kind of now like you're now in a space where like man I got to I got to help people kind of understand that like you know, we can't move into a more insular space, but rather like we got to get into an open space where we right, right, and and I, and I think like that's an it's an honest conversation. It's a difficult conversation, but it's an honest conversation. No good conversation that, is easy. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and I think having more people that want to raise their hand and say like you know again like relating it back to rugby, just like I'm a center and I can play and I'm going to raise my hand to play hooker because you need it. I'm a somebody that is a leader in this rugby community and I'm going to raise my hand to be able to say that I want to lead a conversation or facilitate a conversation and what are next steps to be able opening up um, and becoming a more inclusive community, becoming a more like aware community. Right. Um, and that means that like, I might have to go up against some friends that I've had for years on end. And like, that means that I might have to have some really powerful conversations with them, but if we've done everything that we've could to really build that trust over the years, this should not be a very difficult conversation grand scheme because we've already set up the foundation. And so now all we have to do is just be honest with one another and come to an understanding that like, you know, 
our way forward is together, not necessarily, you know, apart from one another, but rather like, you know, we want to be able to see each other succeed. There, there has to be a cohesion that comes between it. it, it and right. natural. It, it, and the thing is, I think a lot of people sometimes overthink uh, how forced the cohesion has to be because it's very, it's a far more natural than we give it credit. It's like you said, it has to come with that, that open mind space to be able to mm-hmm. allow it. And whether it is positional or whether it is cultural or whether it is even just regional, you know, yes. you're just, it, it, it just is, all right, let me, how can I open in that, that, that arena a little bit yeah. more? Yeah. No, and I, I think I about, oh, I was just going to say, I think about like how many players are now coming through um, that are, that are needing that conversation, but don't know how to have it. And like, right. don't know how to like kind of get into the space where they can have it. And so, like, they're looking to their coaches, they're looking to their mentors, but if their mentors or coaches aren't feeling comfortable themselves and they don't know where to go, like, in terms of having the conversation, then you can see easily how the conversation never Never gets had. (laughs) Right. And so how, like, the energy can dissipate so quickly because nobody's able to kind of, like, really facilitate that space. Right. and so that's where, you know, having Roots as a platform and having them as a resource is like, you know, a dream come true for me. Because now it's like, I don't have to like, like, try and see who's out there, but rather, you know, I can reach out to you, for example, and say like, hey, like, do you think this could be a great idea? And like, right. you know, we can work it out. And then before we know it, we're on on Wednesdays. Boom. And like, we've gotten, we've gotten some players that have gotten a chance to have that conversation and they're being seen having it so that, you know, new players that are coming in or new coaches that are witnessing, excuse me, witnessing this can know what, what comes with it and what are some things to expect. And, um, you know, I've already gotten some really positive feedback. So again, thank you for, you know, allowing us to be on that space, but um, getting some positive feedback about like, all right, you guys have energized me. I want to be a part of the conversation and not disparaging them about like, well, where have you been? Before? Have you been all this? And that's, I think that's the part that always, that's the part that I think is, is has to also be remembered on that other side. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and even throughout this whole George Floyd situation and everything. And while yes, to an extent I go, I don't understand what's very new. We did this for a decade, but whatever. All the right. Pandemic. <laughs> it's like you got time now. Okay. You exactly, got time. I got exactly, you. Exactly, what you, exactly. See what's happening. But it's like you're right. You you have to also be as willing to want to accept it, not just for people to accept you and, and to have that cultural, but to also be able to receive it as well and receive it um forgivingly. As long right. as it's being presented with good intentions obviously you know yeah and I can even and you know just from just from doing this work for so long you know I think oftentimes especially as it comes to white people involving themselves in this conversation there's a there's a certain amount of guilt that can become very crippling for them um, about like you know why haven't I gotten like why haven't I gotten involved earlier but then also like what can I do now and like all of those questions are constantly going through their head but understanding that like guilt itself is not really an action step that is just largely you processing at the moment and like you know the actionable step is saying like what am I going to do with this guilt what like what am I physically like and mentally prepared to kind of take the next step with and that could even be like you know let me go to somebody that I trust and just kind of talk out like what I'm thinking 
But, you know, for some, it might be like, man, that's it. I've had it. I'm going on Facebook. I'm talking to my family that are constantly posting all this stuff that I know affects, you know, a population that I work closely with. And I'm going to call that out. And like, that's going to be the way that I start the ball rolling. Right. And like, you know, and it can, it, everybody's going to come into it in different spaces. But like the understanding that like guilt doesn't necessarily mean that you are in the space of doing like you're just feeling it's just right you're now. feeling it like it's a good starting point in terms of like you said it's a motivation to get things going but it's not yeah. in and it of itself the 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 final step exactly mm-hmm. exactly and so you know and then i think about like like my socially conservative pieces of my family and how like you know over over the years we've had conversations um that aren't necessarily fun for them and they're not necessarily you know fun for me but like at the same time i know that they're necessary if they're going to see all pieces of myself data Um, driven data driven data received yeah and so in understanding that like you know i'm i'm having this conversation because i care about you and i care about like us and our relationship and like just because we're family doesn't necessarily mean that you know we always have to be on the same page about everything but rather Mm -hmm. like the component of family that makes it a family is being able to say like, I'm going to come to you because we're blood related and I'm going to have this conversation with you because I know that this is going to help all of us. Um, And, and knowing that like, we're both going to be better because of it. Um, And, and, you know, these conversations with rugby kind of work the same way. You know, we go on these tours, we go on these practices, we spend endless hours, like, you know, grabbing and touching on each other. So we're super personal with each other. You know, what's one more conversation um, about something that, you know, could adversely affect me? Like, you know, how can we kind of move into a space where like, we've done all of these things together. I need you to be able to talk about this one thing. Right. Um, And can you do that for me? No, and I, I find it interesting because it, it works in so many metaphors. So, like, even whenever you talk about, like, the HBC Rugby Classic in, in, in that instance, you know, whenever I was creating it, 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 was, it was very multi-tiered. Obviously, it was, let's promote HBCUs. We need that to be a presentation. Uh, another was creating that American identity and, and, and because black culture is inherently American, American. culture. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's American identity almost top to bottom. But yes. the other half of it was in being able to create these, this space where you can adjust the way that you're looking at rugby. So it, it became an instance where it was, hey, instead of us just looking at rugby, because even from a tournament standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. If you do a tournament at, usually as, at its extreme, you're going to deal with basically rock music or whatever, which nothing's wrong with that. Uh, you're dealing with your same basic over amount of people a bunch of teams all paid in and mm-hmm. the essence is just to build around the teams like the teams mm-hmm. are the consumers the consumers are the teams and you kind of hope and develop from there whereas whenever it was with the hbc rugby classic it was hey look we can also bring we can also be an upstart into pop culture it it can be an essence festival it can There's be so a Bayou classic. There, yeah Yes. But even on more so, it, can, it, it, it doesn't have to be player-focused. Now, it now means you have the challenge of saying, I got to also find and have to find spectators. But in doing that, it means that you have to create culture that is mm-hmm. outside what you know, which is 
what we always are trying to do. We always know there's the rugby culture. We know there's the black culture. But now let's let's meld this. Let's actually yeah. make it so that the culture is receptive for your own casual uh, your own casual viewers, your as well as your diehards, so that maybe the players are not needing to pay. And it's now you're coming because you're coming for the competition. But now there's yes. now means you have to put more value into what it is you're doing. And I kind of had seen that before in Asia, but to the point that I was I'm, I'm making on this is when you say we're, we're needing to have these uncomfortable conversations, these are these value adds that we have to it. Hey, yeah. maybe the tournament is more than just us getting together and having a casual time, but it is us getting together and saying, Hey, we're going to have the stage competition. We're going to have the stage conversation. We're going to have this, this presentation of the teams, but now we're not just presenting it to ourselves. We want to bring everybody into this conversation. We want to let you all know that this is inherently as much a part of us internally mm -hmm. as it is you guys, non-rugby people who can now find something in this. And right. it subsequently creates that depth and development that we have within the game, but that we also go back to have with as an individual person, as, yes. as the community and as a whole. Yes. And, like, you know, I, I'm finding more – more and more people are, are starting to kind of reevaluating how they're watching sports. I think the pandemic has done, you know, some things in terms of like, like sports viewership. But I also think that like, you know, George Floyd has definitely like in right. now coming back to Colin Kaepernick's like kneeling protests, it's really kind of being able to see like who actually does see me as for who I am on the field. Right. right. And like, you know, and, it, and we think about, you know, black labor in general, but then as we think about it, as it comes to sports and how like, you know, black itself has been politicized over the, over the decades and centuries. And like now how as a black player, you're automatically an activist until you say you aren't. Not right. So like, you know, when you come into a space, they're automatically already thinking that you've got something to say where you do get a lot of situations where it's, you get the shut up and dribble or you get a lot of like, pushback and like why are you doing this now and in this time but like understanding that like you're bringing all of yourself into that space right and so and I think about like how like um Michael Jordan constantly gets pushed back because like he's he has the platform to be able to to really like bust the like conversation wide open but how like his silence is also an action within itself and right. how like you know you want to be able to have players that aren't chasing the dollar to this to the space where like i i have to mute part of myself in order to be able to to make sure i'm making money or right to make in. sure i secure this piece but like rather like getting people into a space where like this is all of me i'm not putting on airs i'm not going to change who i am i'm definitely not going to code switch right. i'm just going to be exactly who i need to be At all and time. like and the more people that see that authenticity, the more likely you will find players that will also be authentic. And then like, you know, and I think, I think about like how Roots began like years ago, just kind of like starting off with like meeting Chemo, meeting KG, like knowing Hayden, getting a chance to meet Tiana, like meeting Tiff, meeting Phaedra, Coma, and like getting a chance to really like develop relationships with them, but then also understand that like we don't need to change ourselves for anybody. We can right. be ourselves 
at all times and like anybody else that says different does not need to be around us right now and like the more that we can be our authentic selves and bring in authentic people like bring more and more authentic people that want to be able to do the same thing the more likely you're going to be able to actually like have a team that's true to you and have a like have a set of players that are true to you that you will know like you know you're going to go to battle with and are willing to like do everything you can to watch them succeed and like you know my 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 vision here you know years down the line is like having having the conversation not go into the political sphere but rather thinking about it in terms of just like from an empathy standpoint if i'm going to be sharing the field with this player i need to make sure that i know what what's going in and out of their mind exactly and, like, and knowing that like if they're feeling the effects of watching somebody like george floyd get killed they can't just erase that and then walk onto the field like they're mm -hmm. still going to feel that and so even though it does not impact me the same way it impacts them i still want to be cognizant that it is impacting them right. um and like, don't think that, you know, these things happen in a vacuum and like, don't think that they're not being affected by the fact that like players are kneeling for the anthem. And I like, I just watched our coach make a statement that everybody better stand for that anthem or you, you better find a different place to go. And like thinking about the conflict that they have to be going through at the moment in order to make that decision that like, if I want to become a great rugby player, then I gotta, I gotta hold back. I gotta this block part out. Of me. Right. Yeah, I gotta block out this this part of myself and like how like that's just inherently unfair. <laughs> right. And and, and, like, and again, know. and it goes back to how it impacts on the field because now it's 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 an, another active part of the mm -hmm. mind that has to be distracted from what's being implemented there, as opposed to this open free space. Right. And open, like. And if I've got, you know, players that are standing by my coach and, you know, I can visibly see that, you know, if you don't like it, you can get out type of deal. Are these the players that I want to play with right now? Right. Is, is this essentially who I'm going to battle with? Is this somebody that, you know, I feel has my back, has my back when it's on the line? Right. Um, and like, you, you don't want to, you don't want to be in a space with, you know, time winding down thinking about those types of questions. Right. Um, you want to be able to go in with a clear mind that like, man, no, regardless of what happens off the field, I know on the field, I'm going to be supportive. Like I'm going to be supported here um, with my teammates. And then they're also going to want to support me off the field too. And, and vice versa. Um, and so again, it's really about like rethinking that team culture, rethinking that club culture into a space where it's just like, we do need to think about, you know, the, the impact of a lot of the stuff that's happening now on our players and on our coaches and like on our administrations and being okay to be like, you know, being able to just say, I'm nervous. I'm anxious about what this might mean, what it looks like, but I'm hoping that like we can all have an open dialogue and an open conversation um, about some of these vulnerabilities and know that like, you know, we're the purpose of this is to build empathy and trust. Um, and we're all going to walk away better for it. Amen Down to that. Dude, Derek, bro, I can have this conversation all day with you. <laughs> bro, <Bruh. laughs> thank <laughs> It's been awesome. <laughs> bro, dude, you know, as we're winding down, you know, what, what, are, what are the next things that are going to be coming up for you? What is it that you're working on um, that, that, you look, that you're excited for moving into this future? Um, you know, I, like, I, think about my, I think about the website a lot. I think about the work and, um, 
you know, and, and how to develop it properly and making it, making it more community based. And, you know, it, it means sitting down, writing up ideas. And for anybody that's been following, you know, I greatly appreciate it. And like, you know, for anybody that hasn't checked it out yet, it's called the worked out education, but like, um, it's a space where like I'm constantly thinking about how to add to it. And I like write up a lot of stuff and I throw it out. Cause I'm just like, nah, it doesn't feel comprehensive enough. Um, and it's a lot of workshopping, but like, you know, it's, it's a space for me to really be excited about because I know that it will help um, time and time again. And like, yeah. you know, for anybody, wherever they are wanting to come into this conversation, this could be a place where like, you know, hopefully once I get that, that page up, um, getting them a, a chance to kind of write about their experience, how they came into this conversation, and then having other people see that write up and are recognizing that there are a lot of similarities with their own, um, their own journey. And like knowing that like the more people that participate in that website, the less it will be needed to, to be able to find the resident black person when something happens, but rather being able to know that like, all right, I, I have some tools in my toolkit that can help me. And I can now go to this resident black person that I wanted to talk to right. and not ask them, what can I do next? But rather like, you know, where can I be? What's most that useful? Right. And like, you know, where do you think, where do you think I can really like be impactful and like they can, they can, and knowing that like they might not have an answer for you they might not be able to say anything but they appreciate the fact that you want to be able to put yourself in that space rather than saying teach me right. <laughs> you know like i've taught myself or i've gone through some literature here and i'm i'm reflecting on that whatever it might be um to be able to say like i want to take this conversation to the next level what are some action steps for myself and putting the onus back on myself. So that's, right. that's really exciting for me. Like, you know, the school year itself is going to be anxiety inducing, but still exciting um, to be in the space and see the, see the students again, see the teachers again um, and kind of like plot out what, you know, the future of teaching is going to in, inevitably look like. Cause I can imagine it might be a while before we get back to what is considered normal. Um, but rather like, really kind of assessing like, um, you know, what our priorities are, you know, both as an educator, but then also as a school. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a, it's going to be an exciting conversation. It's a hard one, but, um, you know, I think like, you know, a lot of people are in a space where they're growing in different ways over the past few months. And I think, you know, as we start to reopen, we get to see that growth. We get a chance to kind of experience it a little bit more. And, you know, that, I think this will be a very interesting chapter to reflect on, um, you know, even just a year from now um, in thinking about, you know, how much we as a country have had to really kind of reflect these past few months and like really had to sit with, um, <laughs> literally had to sit with our own behaviors and really kind of assess what we need to do next um, to kind of move ourselves back to, to, to equilibrium. Agreed. Agreed. Yo, where can people find you at, bro? Um, so, yeah. So if you guys want to look up on Instagram, um, it's uh, H-O-L-D underscore M-U-H underscore D, hold my D. Um, <laughs> and then um, there's a whole story about that one. That's for another for another yeah. podcast. But, um, but you know, if anybody wants to email um, any questions that they have about racial literacy work, um, feel free to reach out at the work project. 2020 at gmail.com um 
and I am more than happy to, to help assist with anything that I can. Um, these are all things that I think anybody wanting to have the conversation about, I'm always there to just be able to say you can do it. Um, you know, I've, this is, you know, like I've given this now 10, 10, 11 years of, you know, actual research, um, um, you know, being able to do a lot of this work. So it's, I should have gotten my PhD in it. You know, if anybody, if anybody, can, you know, exactly. You know, if anybody has any links to like, you know, honorary or at this point, I, I'm sure Facebook's giving out degrees. Um, I mean, look, it's, it's getting there. I'm, I'm telling you, Facebook is legitimately going to come out with Facebook academics certification <laughs> <laughs> and as sad as it sounds, you know, just just being able to understand that, like, you know, when folks are coming into this work, I think sometimes they get overwhelmed by how much information's out there. But like, understanding that you can start anywhere and kind of like find your own journey, and that that itself is a growth um, is the growth mindset too. And so, um, just just knowing that like there are people here that do want to support you. Um, in that and you know i think the more that we get a chance to talk about it in these spaces even for this podcast but the more we can do that the, the better long term so. yo i love it brother love it brother thank you so much for just being able to take the time and uh just dropping mad knowledge right now <laughs> <laughs> no thanks so much for having me as always man like you know it's funny like we've gotten a chance to really meet like know each other over the summer and now you know we're already just like well you know next time you're in new york city you know you know that's why i need to get you guys also to get down here to louisiana so i can return i can return the favor it's always coming up i need you to come into this heat all right come down <laughs> <laughs> well funny enough my wife loves my life loves new orleans so you know now with that now with you that have invite exactly <laughs> Double down, all right? right? We just an hour up the road. We're not too, we're not even that far, all right? right? And so, you know, I can already see her now listening to this podcast. She's she's already going to probably be like, well, Derek, this is a part of your professional development. Let's <laughs> think about, you know, what you need to be able to do to really help yourself grow and learn. So, um, you know, be expecting to, to see that email soon enough. Like, well, I guess we're coming down now. All of a sudden. <laughs> I'm ready for y'all. I'm ready for y'all. <laughs> Meanwhile, you'll be like, get or Derek, I cannot believe that this has happened. Our numerous emails between one another have finally manifested. Great. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it'll be a great shot either way. Um, and, you know, we'll always continue the conversation. But, again, I'm now, like... And my heart is open because, you know, I've, I've now found another person that I know that I can talk to um, about this stuff. And Feeling is mutual, brother. Yeah, so it's like, and like the family continues to grow. Um, so, you know, um, if you get a Christmas card as well, just don't be surprised. <laughs> I promise you're only going to see a few thousand tears coming out of that. Oh, happy. <laughs> right? But not so, a thousand yeah. and one. I'm just <laughs> A few thousand, yeah. Just a few, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, so, bro. Yeah. Thank so you thanks, so much. man. I greatly appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Man, that is my guy. Like, that was a great convo. We're definitely bringing him back. Like, there's, there's no doubt about that. I really enjoyed that. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, if not even more. Thank you, Derek, for taking the time to be on the podcast. It was truly, truly appreciated. And, uh... Look, I, I look forward to it again. Guys, please 
leave a review leave a like let us know let me know what it is that you guys are thinking of course you guys can always check this out and see more of the podcast check out at, at anchor.fm slash give time rugby or whatever you are listening to podcasts on you guys can also check our instagram page at grow rugby podcast Check it out. Hit it a like. We're going to update things going through there, update into that area. And uh, I, I definitely look forward to being able to talk more on there. Uh, check out some of our other podcasts. Uh, last week, we had Pat Evans of um, Front Office Sports. Week prior to, we had the pleasure of having um, Kelly Smith with American Rugby Pro Training Center. We had Adam Gray Hayward from the movie Play On. We had Jackie Finland on a throwback with Rugby Breakdown. We had Farrah Douglas with Mount St. Mary's Rugby. We had Rashad Lipford, North Carolina Ante. We've had some great, great, great discussions with some great people, and it's only getting better. That's that's a wild part. We're only getting better, and I, I'm so happy to be able to do this and provide this for you guys. But in the meantime, look, I hope you guys are happy. I hope you guys are healthy. And I hope you know that you are highly favored. You guys have a great one. Take care. Till next week. Cheers.